You are listening to Dream Talk Radio. I am your host, Anne Hill, here at the Cows Studio in downtown Occidental. And this is a momentous day. This is my last day, my last show airing live from the Cows Studio here on Community Radio in Occidental. And so what I'm going to do, I have an interview to play uh, in a little bit, but I just wanted to also take some time this show to talk about Dream Talk Radio how it evolved from the first uh, the first show and the first idea of a show and where I'm going to go from here because I'm not actually ending the show. I'm merely taking it to other pastures, I guess. Oh, God, the cow puns are inescapable here. So anyway, um, my interview today is with Leo Laporte. And Leo Laporte is a U.S.-based journalist specializing in tech coverage on radio, TV, and the Internet. He is the host of The Tech Guy, which is a nationally syndicated radio show on technology that airs on XM Satellite Radio, KGO Radio in San Francisco, and over 100 other stations. Uh, Leo produces and hosts the most listened-to tech podcast at Twit TV. By way of intro to my own show, Dream Talk Radio really began, I think it was uh, in December of 2007, there was an email that went out to a local email list from Phil Timon, who is the manager over at the Occidental Arts and Ecology Center. And Phil just basically put out a call for programmers. Anybody feel like, uh, you know, DJing a radio show? We're pretty much open. We just got this new community radio license from the FCC. Uh, Drop me an email if you're interested. So I read that email and I thought, I could do that. And I think the I could do that kind of a thing just comes from being a sort of a do-it-yourselfer. I've I've, uh, done audio sound production, uh, produced CDs and different music stuff and done a bunch of different kind of publishing things. So I was familiar with uh, a little bit of, of the board in the recording studio. And so I thought, well, okay, I could probably figure that out. And at the time, my big interest and my big focus in terms of work and um, speaking and so forth was dreams you know, dreams research, what what the latest findings were on dreams and sleep health, also the interpretation of dreams. There's all these different modalities for doing that and different ways of looking at the function of dreams and so forth. And I just thought, hey, that would be kind of fun. I could do an hour, maybe an hour a week on dreams and I would do a radio show. And so I, I pitched it to Phil over the, uh, over the email and I'm sure he thought, dreams? Are you kidding me? Sure, what the heck? You know, it's a free-for-all here. We've got all this open radio time. So anyway, I just started, uh, my first show was in January of 2008, and I was scared to death. My hands were shaking. I didn't think I could do anything, and, and Phil was sitting right there, and at the end he said, yeah, you're a natural. This is great. Keep doing it. So I just thought, okay, well, I'll just take it one week at a time. I'll find a topic in dreams, which it, there's there's a ton of different stuff to talk about when you're getting into sleep and dreams. You can branch into psychology, you can branch into medicine, you can branch into spirituality, you can branch into, you know, behavioral sciences, you can do tons of, even public health. So anyway, tons of stuff. So I thought, well, we'll just ride this one into the beach and see how long it takes. Maybe, maybe I'll have six months worth of shows that I can, I can pull out of the hat on dreams. And what ended up happening is that I keep I kept finding new things to talk about. There's just so many people doing interesting things in that sort of broadly defined field. And so the whole first year 
was really about me figuring out that there was an endless stream of things to talk about and also figuring out about broadcasting, about live radio. And, uh, you know, I've done a lot of lecturing. I've been uh, at universities and done public speaking and a bunch of stuff, delivered papers at conferences. But when I ported that to radio, I, I found out that it was really not the same thing. Uh, you know, when you're in public speaking, when you're talking to a bunch of grad students or a bunch of dream researchers, you, you kind of have to have your notes. You have to think, okay, here's point A and subpoints one, two, and three, and then here's point B and here's point C, and then I have to back it up with all this. You know, you basically have this really tight outline. Uh, what I learned starting in radio is that that is not how radio works. Radio is a really imaginative medium. And so what it required was more of a storytelling uh, technique. And so what I learned over the course of these past three years is how to, not how to thicken up what I was saying and make it more dense and, and more like a lecture, but actually to broaden it out and to take maybe three different points and really kind of paint the picture and bring in a bunch of detail, but always keep the narrative going. So uh, I learned a ton on this cow's radio station. And um, one of the things that I started doing after about a year on the air is to take the CD of the show and uh, use a couple different software programs, one to kind of clean up the audio, recorded a little intro piece, and I recorded a little like an outro, whatever you call it, for the end. And I, I strung it together, I edited it together, and I started posting them up on my website and figured out how to make them so that they showed up on iTunes. So I started having, in 2009, I started having podcasts up on iTunes and up on my uh, up on my website. And then I started seeing, oh, wow, there's really, there's kind of an audience for that stuff. <laughs> so I started um, gaining an audience and sort of, you know, started building that whole platform. And that's been a great experience. Um, I think the, my podcasts right now are generating about 2000 plus listeners. And so, I mean, that's a huge deal from starting with, you know, however many people here in this little valley of Occidental. Also, the cool thing about cows is that it's streaming on the web so that I once got a tweet from somebody in Vancouver who had been listening to my show live in her car on the way to work. We're in this really interesting place right now where radio as we know it, you kind of like, if, if radio is written in pencil, just take the eraser and sort of blur the edges because what radio is, is in flux. You can pick up radio stations on any device. So, you know, use that eraser to blur the pencil marks a little bit. Who knows? Radio and TV, it's all kind of blurring together. And there's many more ways of dispersing the message. So in the meantime, I'm, I'm doing all this. It's 2009, it's 2010, really getting interesting. And my, um, my interests are kind of broadening out. And I was also getting more interested in technology just by virtue of this whole fascinating internet radio phenomenon. And, and I um, kind of went into some really fascinating areas. 
And I just decided it, Dream Talk Radio was what I wanted it to be, whatever I wanted it to be. It included dreams and sleep research and physiology and psychology, but it also involved innovation and creativity and technology and politics. You know, there's dreams, there's cultural dreams. We have the American dream, and that's such a strong thing in our in all of our minds. All of this stuff is part of what we imagine is possible in the world. So that's kind of what I wanted to explore. Okay, so that's a long build up to this um, conversation this week. So when I when I was looking around at internet radio and different stuff, I found Twit TV, which is an internet network, basically a video network down in Petaluma, run by this man, Leo Laporte, who's been in radio since the late 70s. Um, and he's been on different permutations of tech shows since the 90s, since the early 90s. Um, and I found a little uh, news clipping that was he they were building this new 10,000 square foot studio down in Petaluma. And so I thought, okay, I'd love to interview him and get his take on broadcasting. So I went down there last week, I set up my stuff, and then we had we started recording. And I realized halfway through that I had not pressed record. And so I'm, we're talking and I'm thinking, oh, no, and I go over to my computer and I sort of click on the record button. And after we were done with the interview, he said, what was that look on your face about halfway through? Did you forget to press record? <laughs> and I said, uh, yeah, that's true. That's exactly what that look was. And he goes, oh, I've done that so many times. So that made me feel better. But yeah, it's one of those things. You just sometimes you don't do it all the way. You don't do it right the first time, but you just keep on going. So uh, we, what I will do now is I'm going to play my conversation with Leo Laporte from Twit TV. And right before I turned on the record button, we had been talking about the phenomenon of internet radio and how big it's getting. Uh, everyone's got their internet presence now and that there's... The, there's a lot of good stuff, but there's a lot of noise too, stuff that, you know, you start listening to it and you think nobody is ever going to want to listen to this. And yet it's there on the internet. So we were talking about that phenomenon of so much noise and how do you filter it down? And I had remembered um, Clay Shirky, who's an author, who he wrote Here Comes Everybody and also Cognitive Surplus. So I said, yeah, that reminds me of Clay Shirky's point that right now we don't have an information problem. We have a filtering problem. And so Leo started to talk about, yes, that's right. And, and his with his network, he gets to be a curator. He gets to decide. He gets to be the filter. He gets to decide what's valuable and what's useful. And so that's where we'll enter the conversation. Here we go. I became a journalist is um, because I loved, you know, technology and I wanted to help people uh, go in the right direction. Yeah. You know, find the interesting stuff to help them point it out. And incidentally, it's a two-way street. When you do what I do, um, most of what I learn, I learn from the people around me, my community, my co-editors, my co-writers, my yeah. uh, and, and from them I learn, and I then pass it along. So it's mm -hmm. it's a it's not a one-way street. You know, old media really has that uh, that bully pulpit feel, that sense of I talk, you listen. Mm -hmm. And um, I think what's one of the things that's really different about what we're doing is that instead of being a monologue, it's a dialogue. And the audience is no longer an audience that sits there and shuts up. It's a, it's a community. And I think Clay talks about this, too. Yeah. I think that's, that's when he says, here comes everybody. That's what he means, is that everybody becomes a creator now. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's real value in the curators, and that's kind that's of what right. I want to do. 
another thing that interested me, uh, watching your uh, sixth anniversary show the other day, you had uh, folks from Revision 3 down the city who seemed to be doing, I mean, th that's an example of another uh, network, for lack of a better word. They're I doing exactly the same thing. Yeah, exactly yeah. the same thing. And now, do you see your... Uh, and what's the sense of, I mean, this sounded like a collaborative It is. Thing. We're too yeah. small at this point. This industry is yeah. way too small to be uh, competing. Right. Uh, they're more than, the, the challenges that uh, I'm posed with are not that somebody's competing with me. Right. They're much more fundamental. How do I let people know we even exist? Uh -huh. How do we tr teach our potential audience how to find us? Still. Yeah, those are the yeah. big challenges. Uh -huh. uh, and in fact, having other companies doing what we do helps because uh -huh. it raises awareness. They do their education. Somebody who listens to Revision 3, you know, you got to remember, these guys are my old friends. We right. all came from Tech TV. Um, and so it's not a surprise we're kind of doing the same thing, although we're avoid, trying to avoid the mistakes that Tech TV made. Uh, it was a cable channel, and right. it, it, the economics weren't there for a cable channel. So we're doing the same thing mm -hmm. in new media, and the economics do work. Mm -hmm. um, th their, their success helps me because um, their audience comes to, my, comes to me. My audience goes to them. Uh, there's plenty to go around right yeah. now. You know? Yeah, and it sounded like they were having. They have a little broader scope as far as their. They're uh, not direct focus. competitors. Yeah. But we. But I work with. You know, one of the things that I, th I think is really important, um, as as one of the people who's kind of inventing this industry, mm -hmm. is to share what we learn with others, and I hope mm -hmm. they share what they learn with me. Right. Uh, it benefits all of us, a rising tide and all. Right. And and I think that. Um, uh, at, none of us are at the point where uh, we need to clobber the competition. That right. they may come, right. but for right now, I'm, I'm, uh, we're really all happy to help one another. Mm -hmm. Even people who are directly mm -hmm. uh, in in the same space yeah. I am. You know, I I, I think that um, uh, this that's one of the fun things about being early in this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's too early for the dog-eat-dog -dog right. <laughs> rat race. Uh, it's too much fun right now. Right. We're all having fun. We're all inventing it. And so it's much more collaborative. The same thing happened in the technology industry mm -hmm. early on. You know, Now it's Apple versus Google right. versus Microsoft. <laughs> but in the early days, they were all collaborators. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but that's a, I've heard this sim a similar um, sentiment voiced by other friends of mine who have been in radio for a long time, and you've been you, radio's you, always been like that. Yeah, I I really. But do that's because that we're sense. the underdogs. Uh -huh. so, so when you're the, <laughs> believe me, TV stations hate each other. <laughs> when you're and newspaper hates TV. So, yeah. but when you're in uh, when you're in a business like radio, well, first of all, most people do radio because they love it, not right. because they're going to get rich at it. So when you're doing something for love, when it's a passion, when you're kind of the underdog, when mm -hmm. you're the medium that nobody pays any attention to, it's it's a lot more natural to mm -hmm. cooperate than to compete. And a lot happier. I'd rather be an underdog. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I do not look forward to the day when we're successful. Well, it's it's nice being on the us side of the us versus yeah. them equation. Isn't it? It really it has yeah. that galvanizing effect. It's much better. I mean, one of the things I was struck by, I, I read the uh, article about Twit TV in the New York Times back in December, I guess that was. Mm -hmm. And uh, you mentioned that this none of this was a plan. No. You sort of, sort of, it kind of went rolling along. And it's, I, I really like the comment because on one hand, how could it be a plan the industry wasn't, I mean, clear channel, you know, the FCC hadn't deregulated. Didn't exist. Yeah. I, I mean, there was this sequence of events you know, we're sitting in a very small room in the yeah. upstairs of a very small cottage. This is where 
I started the company. It was just mm -hmm. this room. It was just me sitting here with kind of leftover radio gear right. that I happened to own uh, doing podcasts. And um, it's probably good that I didn't know how hard it was going to be. Right. I just did it for the fun of it. Right. Um, uh, I'm really grateful that uh, we've been able to build a community and, and been able to make a success of it. But mm -hmm. um, we never, one of the things I'm kind of proud of is that I never um, uh, did more than we could afford. You know, it was all bootstrapped. So right. when I first started it, I asked for donations, and that small amount of money that our audience gave us allowed me to improve it to the point where we could build a bigger audience and then get advertisers. And so we, we've, mm -hmm. we've never spent more than we have made. And that's right. been a nice discipline, and I think yes. it's kind of kept us on the right track. You know, you can't always do that, especially in, in uh, technology and internet, mm -hmm. because some of this stuff moves so fast that if if you if you if you take a leisurely pace, you'll be that you'll lose the race. Well, but, plus there's a million VCs right. waiting for the next big thing. Right. Fortunately, uh, it's not much of a foot race to do what I'm trying to oh, do. We're <laughs> we're kind of uh, alone, leading the pack, the charge <laughs> over the hill. So I don't feel like uh, I have to hurry at this. Do you see yourself having a terrestrial uh, network presence? No. Whether no, you're no stay away from that. Huh? Well, we talk every every once in a while. We we'll talk with an old media company, and yeah. um, uh, there's a lot of interest. I, I mean, frankly, a lot of people in old media are very curious how we do what we do, and right. uh, whether they could uh, use this formula for themselves. But my experience has been, if you, this is true in every industry and in every business mm -hmm. from time immemorial. If you're an established business, uh, it's very difficult for you to make a major change to the way your business makes right. its money. Uh, and doing so is very risky because you can cannibalize your established business before the new mm -hmm. business is ready to support mm -hmm. you. So mainstream radio and TV and even newspapers, we've talked to them too, are all very curious about what we're doing but ultimately don't have what it takes to take the great leap. Right even though they probably should, because it's such a risky leap for them. I had nothing to lose. Right. Well, they're all, they're, a lot of them are saddled with debt, too, from the big oh, mergers. Yeah. And you know, there are a few companies you'll look at that, that seem to be making the transition well. I look yeah. with interest at what the New York Times is doing. Right. Um, but ultimately, the, the, the exceptions prove the rule. It's mm -hmm. very difficult to do. Mm -hmm. you know, the, there are far more Polaroids than there are mm -hmm. Kodaks in the world. Which leads me to ask you this. Uh, I noticed that at the National Association of Broadcasters event where you guys were streaming live from there, uh, Les Moonves from CBS was there. Isn't it interesting? I, I mean, I missed <laughs> what he had to say, but I was kind of fascinated. Well, he's what a smart he... guy. Uh -huh. But at the same time, he has the same exact problem that I was talking about yeah. of having, uh, you know, all of his revenue comes from the old way of doing things. And, uh, you know, they look at things like Hulu both as a challenge and an opportunity. They would mm -hmm. love to make online broadcasting of shows a success, mm -hmm. but they're terrified right. because the revenues are much lower. Right. They can't, you know, what is it? Can we, can we shut down our terrestrial operation and live on the Internet? It's a difficult thing for them right. to face. For me, I got, you know, I don't have anything to lose. I'm, I like being on the Internet. I'd uh -huh. rather be on the Internet.
Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think it's to Petaluma's great advantage that you're here. I at, love that. You know, it, yeah. it, wasn't it supposed to be Telecom Valley or it was? Yeah, it was, fiber, was fiber Optic Valley briefly. Fiber optic One of the valley. things I, you know, I look at ESPN, which yeah. uh, instead of being in New York City, they started their network, their sports network in Bristol, Connecticut, oh. which is in the middle of nowhere. Right. Um, doesn't even I'm, have a team. Yeah, I don't know exactly why they're in you Bristol, come. but you know what? Everybody knows they're in Bristol. They put Bristol on the map. I mean, right. it's kind of cool that they're there. Yeah. And so I'm hoping to do the same with, with Petaluma. I think, I think that's, it's great. that's awesome. Well, Petaluma is a great city. So have you had much interest from, the, you know, the, the merchant community or oh, any yeah. business community in Petaluma? People are gradually becoming aware of what we're doing. I mean, uh-huh. we've really been a stealth operation for a long time. Now right. with this new facility, one of the things we're doing on the studios, it's got big, storefront glass windows it's the old Tuttle's drugs so there was a drugstore in there Mm -hmm. and we're making sure that the studio is right in those windows and that you'll be able to look through the windows uh, at any time of the day or night see the lights see the cameras see people doing stuff and um, it's more than advertising to me it's also to me it's it's the it's kind of to promote the idea that um, there's vital creative stuff happening here and uh, and it's like having a theater it's uh, it's exciting well, and it gets back to your earlier point about democratization and how it's all, it's its not just I am sitting on high and here's my audience down below. It's actually this conversation. Sure. It's so easy if you're less Movis to sit in Black Rock in New York City mm-hmm. and you're thrown 30 stories above the yeah. above the people and decide what the people are going to see. Right. It's a, it's a much more challenging and I think much more gratifying thing to be down on the ground with everybody else trying to figure it out and yes. uh, making a community instead of uh, building an audience. I'm very excited about it. So do you have any plans with the new Twit TV studio to branch out into local since you will have such a big local presence? You know, we're local in a weird way. We're, um, you know, when you talk about slicing an audience, um, you can slice it locally. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things radio does so well. We're, we're, you know, we cover local stuff. We've sliced the audience in a little different way. We are global, but we slice the audience to smart people who are interested in technology. Right. It's a vertical, not a horizontal slice. So I think we're local, but we're, we're global local. We're right. local to the people who really care about technology. Right. So to me, that's our mission. I, uh-huh. But on the other hand, um, I'm glad to show, we had the, the local public television station was in oh, yesterday yeah. giving them a tour. KRCB because they're going to do more streaming and they're very interested and so I'm very glad to say here's how we do it here's the solutions we Mm -hmm. found to the problems that you're going to have anything you want to know let me tell you Mm -hmm. um, so that they can do it themselves the beauty of this is anybody can do this Mm -hmm. you know it's not expensive it's it's you can start as I did in this little Garrett studio and and expand from there so there's no barrier to entry so the only barrier is knowledge and i'm glad to share that oh that's fabulous well um we have been speaking today on dream talk radio with leo laporte who is head twit at twit.tv uh, <laughs> believe it or not i embrace that <laughs> well you know i think it's part i mean i was one of the questions i was going to ask was is there any space between leo laporte and twit tv no. you know in terms of brand, it's actually <laughs> I am kind the of twit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the, it's sort of the geek uh, the geek code to embrace one's geekiness. Yes. So I appreciate that. And host, and host of the Tech Guy, a nationally syndicated radio show on technology. Uh, you can see the live stream of shows from Twit TV on your internet machine. You can also, if you have an Apple TV, 
can download we're on from every, there. Our goal YouTube. is to be everywhere you want to be, on Android, on iPhone, on yeah. iPad. Yeah. Um, but it all starts at live.twit.tv. Live.twit.tv. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to talk to Great me. To really meet appreciate you. it. And that was my conversation just last week with Leo Laporte of Twit TV. You're listening to Dream Talk Radio. I'm Ann Hill. I have been here on the air in Petaluma, not in Petaluma, in Occidental, another little cow town in Sonoma County for three years. And this is my final show airing live from the cow studio, which I will miss. Um, I wish the station all the best. So, my takeaway from this conversation uh, with Leo was that we're in the midst of a platform change in technology. We've had the internet, and now there's this whole move to go into the cloud, which basically means you've got these servers set up all over the place, and they just stream. They stream information to all different kinds of devices. It's no longer people sitting in front of their personal computers at home, that's no longer the only way that you can access information. So I think that the story of the future of broadcasting is that the more the cloud becomes the platform, the more level the playing field becomes for media and broadcasting. This idea that, as, as he said, anybody can do this. The cost is not a barrier right now. His main point is that there's no competition right now because we're inventing the industry. And I think as cloud computing becomes more powerful, this is really going to change people's lives. And it's going to change people's lives in a very local way. So anyway, I'm tremendously excited about the future of broadcasting and very grateful for the opportunity to get into it through Low Power FM here in here at COWS. That wraps up another Dream Talk Radio podcast. I'm Ann Hill, and you can find my past shows at dreamtalkradio.net and on iTunes. Be sure and join the Dream Talk Radio Facebook page or follow me on Twitter at Ann Hill to get announcements about future shows. Thanks for listening.